Hey guys, and welcome to the SKS Podcast, where working actors talk. Each episode, we sit down with different industry professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, we talk with a woman who wears so many hats and does it seamlessly, actress and producer Danny Scott. She has produced and starred in two features in the last three years. I love this episode because it reminds us how we have more control than we think in this crazy industry. Find out how she took control and became a wildly successful self-made producer and her advice to any of you who want to do the same. With that, let's dive in with Colleen Foy and Danny Scott. Welcome back to the Stan Kerr Studios, where Working Actors Talk podcast. Today, we have Danny Scott with us. Danny is an actress and producer currently working with Redacted Media. She lives for falling in love with her characters and complex stories, all with the goal of being a go-to comedic actress and award-winning filmmaker. She has produced and starred in two features in the last three years, A Christmas Sunset and the upcoming The Demon Detective. She has worked for several comedy shows as well as NCIS LA and has acted in several indie shorts and feature films. After graduating with her degree in acting from the University of Washington, she worked in casting in Seattle and LA for several years before transitioning back to acting and starting as a producer in 2020. She has a penchant for sweets, is obsessed with dogs, and plans to travel the world her entire life. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Um, uh, so Danny, give us a little bit of your origin story. I know that you studied acting in Washington. Um, did you stay in Washington for a while? When did you decide to move to Los Angeles? I came here in 2014 and I made the decision in 2013. Um, I, I, grew up in acting. I started in church. I started acting when I was eight years old in church. I remember my first role and I won unanimously when they did like the, who had the best scene. And that was like it for me. I was like in, I loved it. Um, I managed to cry on stage as an eight-year-old. And that was just like, I didn't understand at, at the time what that meant, but I was like, oh, I was learning who I was as a person and what I was going to truly connect with in life. Um, so that started me in acting. So I started very young and I was always involved in it. And then I think I went through that thing a lot of artists go through where I started to get scared about um, what jumping off that meant and what LA meant and what being a starving artist meant. So I uh, started nursing school actually, and I was going to be a nurse and then did a play at school to get an easy A because I wanted to boost up my GPA and then I fell back in love with it. And so I went to the University of Washington um, with the intention of going to LA afterwards kind of got a little stuck there for a little while. And then due to a relationship and when that relationship ended, it was like five seconds after we broke up, I was like, I'm going to LA. And then that, the next six months was me just taking advice from uh, Jody Rothfield, who's a casting director in Seattle. And if you ever get a chance to have a conversation with her, she's the smartest person and the best person. I call her an earth mother. She, she takes care of everybody and she really sets you on a solid path and she gave me some really great advice that I think really set me up for success when I came here. Ooh, what was one of those pieces of advice? Uh, don't live in the valley. As a Washingtonian moving to LA, she's like, you are not going to be used to the temperature change. If you move somewhere too hot, you will go home. And it was, a, it was a crazy thing to think about what weather does to people, but I had grown up born and raised in cold weather and my uh, current partner lives in Burbank and I'm in Burbank and it's, I've been here 10 years and it's too hot for me. Like, I'm like, I would have left. 
I would have left immediately <laughs> had I gone to the valley. She's like, go somewhere that's moderate temperature. She's like, don't go with uh, less than $10,000, like just spare change. And um, she's like, have a reliable car, a place to live that you can afford and a regular job before you do anything for else for your career. She's like, get your bases covered. She's like, something you can afford, a reliable car, because LA is a driving town. I wish that we weren't, we are a driving town. It's very spread out. And um, just a job where your bills, your needs are met. And if you have those three things as your base when you go into LA with a little bit of spare change, I've loved it here for the last 10 years and I've never left. I've never had to go home and restart. Wow, that is such good practical advice. Yeah. Great practical advice. So is that how you got work in casting? Yes, she is how I got my first job in LA in casting. So I interned with her in Seattle and then she hired me as her assistant up there. And then when I moved, she actually got me just a meet and greet with Lisa Solta, who now works for Amazon Studios in casting. And she was on the TV show Revenge at the time. It was just a meet and greet. Like we, Jody and I are very close. And the next day, Lisa's associate quit. And she called Jody and she's like, I feel like it was like fake because I, I met your old assistant. She was wonderful. Do you think she could handle taking on a television show? And Jody vouched for me and she's like, she can handle anything. And so she, I came in as a brand new to LA uh, intern, small time assistant in Seattle to being a, a replacing an associate on a major television show. So it was, uh, it was a, an amazing learning experience, but uh yeah, that was how I got started in casting. Wow. I love Lisa Salta, by the way. Um, yeah, she's great. I've read with her many times, actually, for the show True Blood. Like, she was my reader. Yep. Um, and fantastic, and for Revenge as well. And um, she's a gem of a human. So how wonderful that your gem of a mentor in Seattle connected you with the gem of a human down in Los Angeles. And yeah, who ended up becoming another mentor for me. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, what surprised you? early on in working and casting in Los Angeles? Um, just how small of a town it really is. So I didn't know anything when I came here. Like I cannot stress enough. I didn't know any of the actors on the show. I, I knew Emily Van Camp probably. And then I had a secret laptop I didn't tell anybody about that I kept underneath the desk. And anytime she talked about anybody, I would just Google them. And then I would just talk, like, be able to like whip it out because she knew everybody. She remembered every actor that came in 10 years before and read one line. She's like, oh, I want to give that actor another chance. Like there's so many people here and it feels so big, but the memory of casting directors is insane. And I had to, I have always had a really good memory, but I really had to fine tune my memory to keep up with these these gangsters of memory, as they say, which are casting directors. I think that was shocking to me. Just she knew everybody. She knew who she loved. She knew who she wanted to give a second chance to. She knew who she was never bringing back into her office again. And I had to like keep up with that like idea that I was like, oh, I just assumed I was like, everything was new. And she was like, no, no, you, you get to know people here. Wow. The gangsters of memory, our casting director. Oh yes. Oh my God. Their memories are insane. To this day, I'm not even close. I'm like, oh, still working on it. <laughs> wow. Human IMDBs, right? They can like shuffle through. <laughs> the lists, like I was always just studying to this day. I'll just go back and look at lists of like actors that are on them to be like, okay, who is this person? How do I, how do I know this person? It's just like, 
people I'd never heard of that were on these lists. And I was like, this isn't a famous person, but she can tell you all of their credits. Like, and that's what they do. They just know all of these people. And I was just, I was starting to get good at it. I felt I had a natural trajectory on casting, but it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, I found casting very, like, it was very intuitive to me, mm -hmm. which is what I've tried to bring over to producing for myself. Um, as like a, that's my, definitely my strong suit when, uh, when it comes to producing is bringing in an amazing cast. And so I'm, I, I tried to get close, but the, all of them, everyone I ever worked with was just knew everybody. That's incredible. I love that. One thing that you just said, just sort of, um, triggered a thought in me. You said that Lisa would sometimes say, this is someone I want to give another chance to. I want to bring this yeah. person back, give them another shot. My feeling is that a lot of actors think if you do one bad audition, you're out, you're blacklisted, nothing's going to happen. But the no. way that you're talking sounds like there's a lot of kindness and a lot of, a lot of desire to let someone rise to the occasion. I, I would say the best representation for casting I've ever seen is um, a Sam Elliott film that I worked on called The Hero. And there, uh, I'll oh, see, this is why I'm not casting anymore. I can't remember the actor who played the casting director in the movie, but the stereotype of all casting directors is in every movie, and it always drives me crazy, is they're a jerk, they're harsh, they're pushing people through. Uh, I never had the pleasure of reading you uh, before you became my teacher, but I have read a couple of my teachers before they became my teachers. And they can attest to the fact that I was not like that. Um, I would say commercial casting is maybe a little bit different. Commercial casting, they bring in a lot more actors. They have a tendency to be a little bit more aggressive. I myself, when I cast a commercial, have a tendency to, like, it's just so much more high demand and so much quicker than, than television casting. In my experience, though, we want people to be successful. I know that sounds crazy, and I say we. I'm not in casting anymore. But genuinely, I loved bringing great people in. And I loved, I worked with an actor, he got 22 takes for a medical examiner on Criminal Minds once and he booked the job because uh, I knew he could do it. I'd seen him multiple times and he, he was, for lack of the word on this particular audition, he was just shitting the bed. Like over, he's just like, I just want to leave. And I was like, you're not leaving because I know you can do this. Like literally this is your, this is your jam. This is what you do. This role is yours. You just have to be able to get these words out. So we're going to stay here. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. You're going to just like take a breath and we're going to stay here until it's done. And then we just stayed there, got it done. He got the role. He was great. I even checked to make sure that he like, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't have put somebody through that maybe couldn't have done it. Uh, I knew he could. And they said he was wonderful. Um, so yes, I would say that there are, oh, everyone's different. Certain casting directors are dicks and certain casting directors aren't going to bring you back in if you make a mistake. That's just I think particularly with commercials, it tends to be a little bit more like cutthroat, but in general, no, no. Like, unless you're awful, if you're right for a role and they're like, God, they weren't right for that role or they, they couldn't quite spit it out, but you know, they're repped by a really great agent and I have a great relationship with them and I want to give them another chance. Like, obviously they have something going on. I can see from their reel that they have something. Let's try again. And I would say that that is more the attitude than not. That is so good to hear. That's so great yeah. to hear. And it actually backs up what I've always thought is casting wants to show production, uh, directors, network, studio. They want to show them some amazing actors. So they would never sort of shoot themselves in the foot by denying someone the opportunity to be great. Yeah. And they always want to find new people. I think some people think that casting 
just wants to bring in the same people. And I'm, I'm sure there are people that are lazy and are like that. But in um, my experience, especially working on a show that had a lot of turnover and like every episode was a whole new cast. It's like, you want to discover new people. Everybody's sick of seeing the same character actors a different week on all of these network shows and different things. It's like, you want to find that person. Like we found one girl named Stacy Danger and she was- yeah, she was great. She was just one of those things where she came in and I was just like, ooh, who's this? And then she was exciting and she was fun and she was somebody interesting. And so finding people like that that have always stuck in my mind that I just thought uh, just like blew me out of the water. I, that's why I always continued to do student films um, through the whole, like I, all my whole time in casting. I loved casting student films because we just bring in completely different people and I would just fall in love with them. Like, and I'm like, oh yeah, they have to, I have to bring them on on the show. I have to do always audition for student films if a a casting director is casting it because they want to, that's a way for them to explore new actors and maybe give people a chance they wouldn't normally give. Mm -hmm. Um, It made me so happy that you mentioned Stacey Danger. She's an SKSer and just- Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, When you, when you, when you fall in love with a new actor or an actor who is new to you, uh, what do you think it is about them that you fall in love with? I would say, I think that's something that a lot of actors are starting to like drop down is um, there's something charming about people on TV. Like, don't ever forget that. Like do the work, analyze the thing, but make sure that you're not losing your charm. Like I think so many people try to make themselves so small that they lose a little bit of their essence. I watched a film last night and I don't want to, I mean, she's famous, it doesn't matter. Uma Thurman was in the, I watched The Kill Room last night and so much potential in that film. And I found her character, like didn't have the charm that I want to see in somebody like, she's a charming actress. I've seen her a million times and I've loved her. This particular character, I think needed a little bit more charm in order to be somebody that you fall in love with in a story. And when you have such a small amount of time, especially when you're, burning and turning these auditions, it's so important to keep that charm going. Like, and not, I don't care about off camera, like be nice. That's all that, that's all you can do in any casting office. Don't be a dick because I guarantee you, if you're rude to the assistant, they tell the casting director and we do not want you on set. Nobody wants a dick on set. And I don't care how good you did in the audition. If you are a dick to the assistant, they are telling the casting director and you are not getting sent to producers. Like that's never going to happen because it's, it's, sticks out when it happens. Most actors are very nice and very kind and very generous. Don't drop that when the camera starts rolling. Mm. Keep your, like, I know that's so weird, but you like people that are watching this are in a great studio and a studio they have to audition for. They, you have the acting chops. You're getting so overwhelmed by these auditions that you're forgetting that, that charm that you get when people, when you meet people and they're like, you're an actor, aren't you? And, and, and you can't help but get that sly smile. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, I could tell because you just light up a room when you walk into it. You have to bring that to on-camera auditions. You have to bring that. That's the thing that I think a lot of actors are starting to, to lose is that, that from like a little bit, a sense of that. That's a difference between, nobody wants to actually watch real life. They want to watch a slightly heightened version of real life. And I think a charming person is a, a really big part of that. I know that's strange but I think a lot of actors are starting to drop that myself included I have to watch that I'm not just becoming so I don't know if you've ever experienced this but I know me when I'm walking into a room and I know I'm one of the best actors when I watch walking into a student film or something like that or uh, I I do an improv class where I'm like oh 
I have two different improv classes where I take one where I'm one, one of the most experienced people in them and one of the ones where I'm with the least experienced. The one I'm the most experienced, I'm way better. Like I'm more charming, I'm more fun. I lead scenes, my confidence is through the roof. I'm like, let me take, let me, let me do this. Mm-hmm. When I go into the other room, I have a tendency to take a step back to make myself smaller because I, I don't have the confidence that I have in this room. And I think being able to translate that and walk into any room is the diff- like that's that's something that I think that we're starting that I've noticed that I'm like oh it's our confidence our genuine charismatic confidence that we need to make sure that we're bringing to everything even if we feel like we have maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome that doesn't like that shouldn't exist it exists but it's unnecessary I am completely lit up by that answer we've been we've been working a lot on that in classes when um, when we do like a check-in at the beginning of class and someone's cracking us up with this story they're telling and when they work, when they go to act because of something they've been told or something they've heard, they separate all their isms. Yes, absolutely. So I will say, I want to bring more Rachel into that or now mm-hmm. the Janetta take. Like we lost Janetta and Janetta is everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is... I think that really takes away, like you said, I I would never have called it charm, but charm is the perfect way to say it. And it makes someone irresistible to watch. And that's what everybody's looking for all the time to like, when, when you watch something like I, it really stuck out to me last night. I was like, just put anyone else on the screen right now. I just don't (laughs) care. Like I, I love, I do love her. It just wasn't it wasn't her, in my opinion, strongest performance because she was missing that. Mm. We have to, we have to, even if we hate you, we have to love you. Right. Right. The, um, uh, even the killer loves being a killer and it does. Yeah. It's like, reason. even they do it with like a certain level, even if, even if your character doesn't have confidence, you as an actor still have to have the confidence to do that, to like, mm-hmm. like, oh, and it's nice when you have a nervous character and you're natural and you're nervous, <laughs> but that's not always the case. Sometimes you just have to be able to walk in and you don't have a problem with that when you're, when you know, you're like, oh, I'm good. Yes. Like with these people, I'm good. When I go into another room, I'm like, oh, uh, that's a really good actor. And then you get, make yourself a little bit smaller. Mm. And I think that's a huge mistake that uh, I find myself making. And I think that's what I always try to talk to actors about because of my experience in casting is the mistakes I make. The, mm-hmm. the pitfalls I fall into is really only, I've seen actors make a lot of mistakes, but I, in, on casting, you only see them on one day. And it could be their best day and it could be their worst day. But in general, the, the psychological journey that I go on going from one to another is that's something I've noticed that I'm like, oh, I think that's something, and I've seen a lot of my friends fall into that. One of my favorite actors, he's brilliant. I'm not going to say his name, but he's absolutely fucking brilliant every time I see him until he is on camera. And then I'm like, what happened? Like everything gets stripped away. Mm. And it, it's, it's sad to watch. Wow. Wow. Such a waste of someone's personality. Um, he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. And every time he's on camera, I'm like, ooh. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm like thinking back to all my self-taped auditions. Like, did I bring the charm? Um, uh, I try to, I try to, to. Um, but I think in the beginning, at least of my 
time out here in Los Angeles, I really internalized a lot of the messages that I was hearing from casting, which is, if you have a co-star, come in, say the line and get the hell out of our room. We've got to go. We've got to go. I heard that in um, uh, workshops, not even, not just from casting directors, but agents saying, when you have a co-star, just get in, do the job and get the hell out. There are a lot of messages that I internalize of be just a little bit smaller. Don't be a lot. And I think in don't being a lot, I just like washed myself clean of all my personality. I always tell every actor, I was like, don't, it's not, you're not, I hate when casting directors, they're like, you're lucky to get this audition. It's like, no, this actor has trained. This actor is spending a lot of money to be here. This actor is putting their heart and soul into something. We're lucky that we're getting an opportunity to somebody to do the work. Be respectful when you come into a room where you're not just like, don't take off your jacket when you walk into, the, that is what the waiting room is for. Mm. Take a second, get yourself together in the waiting room when you walk in. Professionalism, but you know, it's your moment to shine. Your character can't be nothing. The mm -hmm. character has to have something. It can't be the star of the show if you're the medical examiner. But the most interesting medical examiners had a little bit of like a kink to them almost. Mm -hmm. Even if the kink was, I don't talk to anybody <laughs> except for dead people. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that advice. I love that. Um, okay. So let's talk about you transitioning, pivoting into acting and producing. Yeah. When did you, when did you feel like, okay, it's time. I want to switch gears. Sundance. Sundance was a game changer for me as a human being. That was like, I, I, I knew I was on this like path and it was, uh, I love, I loved aspects of it, but I was like, Oh, I'm, I could feel myself naturally getting, I was getting promoted a lot and I was getting handed a lot of responsibilities and, and I wasn't trying. And I met another associate cause I moved up to an associate within a year of casting. And that's, that doesn't really happen a lot. And I met another associate that had been doing it for a long time, had a lot more knowledge than I was and was way better at it. Socially awkward. So struggled and was like, I've been trying to get where you are for the last five years. And I was like, oh, I don't even want this. <laughs> like, and it was like, so I was going, when I went to Sundance, I was kind of in that, like realizing that I was, I know this is weird, but Schitt's Creek, when like Alexis had that job with Ted, I love Schitt's Creek. I'm obsessed with it. I quote it all the time. Uh, she had this job with Ted and she was like, oh, I'm like taking someone's job that belongs here. And I was like, oh. I love reading with the actors. That is my favorite part of my job. I care every one of them that comes in. Granted, I'm a bit of a snob as long as they were talented. If you came into my office and I was good to you, I apologize. Uh, I'm sure you are talented, but I was like obsessed with talented actors and I loved reading with them and I loved giving them time and, and building them up and, and bringing them in for everything I possibly could. Like Eugene Young, I saw him at the very first... Uh, like pseudo workshop it, that I had done as an assistant where I sat in and just watched one being done to see what it was because uh, my boss wanted me to see how a, a legal one operated. She's like, this is something that you'll get dragged into. It was Lisa Soltash. It's just like, this is something you can get dragged into that can be very dangerous. This is how it should be done. And I, I, just sitting in with her, Eugene Young came in. He was cast on every show that I worked on. He was the lead in the film that I just made. Like he is one of my favorite actors. And it started with like, he made me laugh in a sea of people who are doing drama, he came in and was hilarious and charming and fun. And I've, I've loved him ever since. I mean, anyway, sorry, uh, I got off tangential. Uh, so I went to Sundance and I fell in love with, with 
filmmaking again and realized like everybody in these long lines, they were all passionate about making movies. And it was like, oh, I want to make movies. I don't want to just be a, I don't want to be a little part of making movies. I want to make the movies. And I think I have the leadership skills to do that. And I want to act. And so I was like, I miss acting. And so I initially, it was a slow thing for me where I just started taking improv classes. And I didn't tell my boss because I didn't want a conflict of interest because it's a huge conflict of interest, in my opinion, to do casting and acting at the same time. And so I started just taking improv classes on the slide just to make myself happy and then found myself like, I'm just going to do a little play just to make myself happy. And then I realized that I needed to, I was so happy and that I had like, I was, it was going to go like, I was going like this and I was going to do that thing that you do that they call it like quiet quitting or everything where I was just going to tank everything. And I was like, no, I'm going to leave on a high note. I'm just going to let them know that I just want to transition into this. And um, yeah. And then I just kind of jumped off the deep end because I had decided, I understand why casting directors do it. And I respect anybody that wants to do both. I just had decided that I didn't think that that was overly fair to the other actors and that I wanted to just like jump with, with two feet. So yeah, that was Sundance. When I went to Sundance, that was a game changer for me. So when did you come to, when and how did you come to Stanford Studios? It would have been an actor. Uh, it had to have been an actor. So how I, I've always had that unfair advantage of working in casting. So I would see who I liked, who their teachers were. And so that's how I picked all my teachers. I would see an actor. Can't remember which actor it was, um, but that's, it was an actor and they were studying there. They're like, it's incredible. Um, you know, you, you'll learn so much. And I, I was obsessed with text analysis. I knew I wanted to do comedy. Um, and so, because that was a focus there of comedy and text analysis, I was like, okay, I tried a bunch of different classes. I, uh, I just did a bunch of things with people that I respected and liked and Stan Kirsch was the one that I was like, this, it, it hit for me. And the text analysis was a, a game changer for me. Literally just like the way Stan Kirsch does is like, break it down, literally marking it. Like it was homework for me mentally when I was like, this isn't funny. This isn't funny. I don't see any jokes. And they're literally like, anytime you see any type of punctuation, that's a joke. And I was like, eh. and then knowing that Alec Baldwin does that way and how funny I think he was, he breaks everything down. I was like, it doesn't make me a bad actor that I don't naturally just speak. And it's funny. Uh, I just need to, you know, sometimes that's going to happen when it's a natural character that fits on me. That's my natural my natural style, but I can, I can take anything and it can be like, oh, play with these different types of ways to do a joke and see which one hits. When it was broken down for me that way, it's like, you can't find the funny. Try these techniques, try mirroring it, try building it, try doing this. Anytime you see punctuation, mark out your script. So then I was able to take in something that I didn't necessarily find funny and just go to it like it was homework. And I think that was, you do a lot of auditions. It's just hard when you're doing so many characters and so many auditions and you putting so much of yourself into it sometimes it's nice to be like okay there's a joke here there's a joke here there's a joke here what is the joke what do i think of that same thing with like the boiling pot of water when that was explained to me for drama i was like oh yeah i can sink my teeth into that i can be like oh everything's just underneath and i'm just holding all this rage inside of me or sorrow or or happiness and it's all right here and i'm just like letting it like those that imagery and the text analysis was you know, I, I got brought to Stan Kirsch from an actor. I literally can't remember the actor. I would tell you, this is why I don't work in casting anymore. <laughs> uh, and then I stayed because of that text analysis and that breakdown of things that, uh, and the imagery really works for me. 
Amazing. Cause that's what I love about it too. I love text. I love text and now <laughs> text. I love text analysis because we have all these great instincts, but it's like, how do you put your instincts and your isms into something that is scripted and has been edited and approved and re-edited and re-approved? It's kind of like <laughs> Shakespeare. It's that we should revere it as such and adhere to the punctuation and find mm -hmm. the jokes that they've laid in there that they assume we will pick up on. But if we've never been trained to pick up on those jokes, we're not going to find them. Yeah, it's been so helpful for me. Yeah, if it's not your sense of humor, that was like, if things were my sense of humor, I'm like, I think I do this in my sleep. Uh, but it, there's certain things like network comedy doesn't always, like, I don't always know like naturally how to do that because I have a like more uh, sarcastic approach to things, which sometimes doesn't, it doesn't fit with everything, but I can, I can use text analysis as my, like go-to way to just break down and now it's like how I have to do everything where I'm like okay let's just break it down really quickly where is the punctuation I need to shift all of these are a shift all of these are a different idea because I think when you have one line you're like it's just one line it's three sentences there's five ideas there's five points of views thoughts if you have three sentences five at a minimum I can tell you that those are the people that are booking the work when it's like they start with something it's there's always something there's always a point of view. There's always something that's shifting. There's always a reason why you talk. And that was another thing I loved about Stan Kirsch when I um, did my first thing with him because I didn't do the big class. I did a one-on-one -on -one with him. He, it was like the thought before each line and this idea that you never actually say what you're thinking. And so that first line, there's a different thought before that that's like, oh, I'm not going to say that, but I'll say this. And you may not do that in your real life. You may say everything you think. I'm a very blunt person. You experience that uh, at the right when the pandemic was starting, we still did a class and only like three of us were there. And it ended up just being me going on like a rage about casting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to, to like to the point of that, I offered everybody like a chance to like go through their stuff and talk to them. Courtney uh, Locks took advantage of that. Uh, and her and I, she's been in both of my films and uh, she's one of my very close friends and she came to my house and I was like, just to be fair, I'm blunt, I'm not allowed to record this because I just say what I'm thinking. And I gave an honest, I broke everything down honestly. And, it, uh, but I think characters aren't always like that. And they have that, that little thought that I think is so important that you guys really drill in of like, you're thinking something else. You're like, you bitch. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> like that thought before of like, I'm going to stab you in the throat. You are so great. <laughs> <laughs> yep that works. that works I remember that class but I had sort of forgotten about it until you just brought it up uh you were so generous and this is what I love about our community is the generosity um of wanting to boost people up you were so generous and going around and talking about from a casting perspective, this is what I would tweak a little bit about either your demo reel or about how your headshots are showing up versus how your energy is. I appreciate that so much, but I know um, Courtney Locks, just an incredible talent, both in drama, comedy, um, broad, and sort of underplayed as well. She can do anything. She really took you up on the offer to sort of fine tune things. And now she's been in your films and is a dear friend. That's, that's really, yeah. Cool. We, I think that's my favorite thing. And, um, 
I, you, you sent me an outline before, and one of the things that was like interesting, I think it's so important to always be in some sort of community in LA. Like, I don't know about other towns, I don't know about the land and whatnot, but I know in this town, that's how I've built myself out in things. It's always my classes. I always go back to class. I always find people from my classes. And those are the people that I, I bring into things and I work with. Like um, my partner initially was very hesitant to take classes. Like I already have a degree. I've already spent enough money on acting. He's like, you're a great actor. You've got to be around other great actors. You've got to be working with them. You can't be waiting for permission to do these things you're so great at. We're always waiting for permission. We're always waiting for somebody else to say, okay, now it's your turn. I, that's why I, I have to produce for myself because I'm like, I, I am way too controlling for that. <laughs> I cannot wait for somebody else to give me permission. I love being in a class and a community and, and I always go back to my classes for casting and for people like, obviously I cast also from my experience of casting, but everything I've ever worked on has always had people from classes that I've been in. Cause I like watch them work even uh, Joy Regalano. She's in my film as well in the demon detective. And she wasn't in the class in my normal class. She was guested in once and did this. I'm sorry. Uh, she guested in once did her thing. And I always thought she was hilarious and awesome. And when I reached out to her years later to come be one of the major supporting characters in The Demon Detective, I was like, you may not remember me because you were just like in and out and God knows what scene I did. But I was wondering if maybe you would like to be in my movie. And she was like, wow. Yes. And I was like, I was so surprised when she said yes. And she was so surprised that I asked. And it was that idea of like, she couldn't, she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, you really want to do it? And she's like, yeah. And, you know, she was fantastic in the film. And obviously now we're, uh, we're friends, but it started from she did a 10 minutes in class just once and she stuck in my mind. And when it came down to it, I was like, oh, she would be perfect. She is charm personified. Like, oh yeah. You can just immediately when she enters the room, you're like, ooh, what's going on here? I want it, I want more, more of this. Yeah, just naturally funny and like just a great energy which she brought to her character and to set, which was great. Mm, I love that. So yeah. how did you start producing your very first film? So uh, I met my producing partner uh, working through things. I cast something he directed and then I wrote something that I asked him to direct. And then at the end of 2019, I was like, so for 2020, every month, I'm going to make a new short. I'm going to create the entire, at the end of 2020, I'm going to have 12 amazing shorts and then I'm going to start doing features. That was my initial plan. And I went to him and I was like, you want to co-produce these with me. I trust you. We're solid. We seem and if we change our mind, we can always change our mind. But I want to create something every month. I don't want I don't want to ask for permission. I want to always be working. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> uh, 2020 hits. We did our first three months, and then of course everything shut. And we and we created three projects in three months. And initially we kept it going. Uh, we were creating small stuff in in my apartment. We were just always filming something. We did Molly the Meltdown Dog Mom. When my dog is very uh, not uh, an emotional sport animal, she's actually quite indifferent to tears. And so we created something based on me having a pandemic meltdown and my dog refusing to look at me, which she was a great actress. She would literally not look at me. She was so pissed. <laughs> uh, she was wonderful. Um, so we continued to create stuff like that, but it, uh, I very quickly, 
and I should have known this about myself, outgrew that and was like, okay, I know how to make a short film. I can't make another short film. And um, as things started to feel like they were going to open up, I was like, well, what if we did like a feature film, but we just did like one that took place in a single room. Like, that's what we need. We need one of those crazy ones that take place in a single room. Around to my producing partner, who's a, who's a writer as well. And I was like, do you have anything that's very contained that maybe we could just like start filming in the room with like, like less people and let's like, let's take our shorts and make them just longer. And then he had a play that he had, so plays typically are more contained that he had kind of, um, it was a play and then he just kind of redid it for film. And I was like, yes, now make it a Christmas movie and we'll finish it, we'll sell it by Christmas. And then we'll be feature filmmakers. And it just kind of, that's kind of how it started. It was like, let's, let's do something a little bit bigger. But then as soon as I read that, I was like, and it took place at Christmas. It was initially called Sunset. And I was like, oh, let's make it Christmassy because we're new at this and it'll be easier to sell a Christmas movie. So my business mind took over where I was like, we need to try to like, you know, be smart about this. Christmas films, you tend to, you typically don't have to have star names attached to it, which we weren't going to be able to have. You, you can, we could find a place for it. We ended up making something a little too dark uh, to sell to the masses. It was not going to end up in those places that dealt with a lot of, uh, dealt more with like trauma at the holiday time, as opposed to falling in love. <laughs> Nobody falls in love. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't regret anything about the story because I love the story. And I think it's important to talk to people who maybe aren't having the best holidays um, that they're, they're also seen and represented. Um, but that's how kind of how it started. And then, yeah, I just, I'm a very, when I decide I want to do something, I, I'm like an, an unstoppable force. And so it was like off. Oh, that's incredible. So once you're like, okay, great, we have this and we can do it. We, we made it a little Christmassy. Um, then what are the first thing that first things that need to happen do you need to first get financing or get us get a sort of um schedule I'm asking the most broad question because I truly don't know <laughs> what are the first couple steps um well we had decided that we were going to self-finance it that I knew what I could do as far as locations I knew how contained it was I I knew that we wanted to keep it really small where our schedule was set for COVID. So we couldn't quite set a schedule until things opened up. So we were doing pre-production before we knew things were going to open up. We're like, okay, granted, I'm going to cast something very quickly. Um, so I started casting it in my mind and finding actors that I knew would be willing to do it that could work under the tight parameters of our schedule that we knew we were going to be doing a lot in a short amount of time because of budget concerns um, and paying crew. And also, you know, when you're first getting started in something, you're going to be, you're going to be having people that maybe aren't the most experienced people doing something, um, but are willing to do it because they know you and they love you. And I will say for July of 2020, everyone just wanted to work like that. That was the craziest part of it. Anybody that was like, listen, um, we want to just make this little thing inside and I don't have a lot of money. I'll do it. Every person like from the most experienced person who's done major television shows that came in to help us out to like, it, it just, everybody was just, I just want to get out of the house. <laughs> like, I just want to go somewhere safe. We were very safe. We were like psychotic about testing and, and making sure everyone was safe and the rules were followed and, 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 and the zones and everything like, and that goes into like, I'm naturally, I'm a Gemini. So part of me is like off in the artistic world. And then the other part of me is like, 
and uh, finding those the the balance, and that has been my trick as an actor producer. Uh, and the key is a first AD, um, which I will always regret about the first film is not having a first AD. So how did the film get onto Amazon? I mean, that's where I rented it and watched it. Uh, us just I was like okay where can we put this place and we got said no uh, there's cussing in the film so it was automatically taken off a lot of things um possibilities and we uh put it out to a few places but we knew we wanted to go onto Amazon and so we just started the process and it's just about learning it like you know I'm a producer by Google like all right how do you get a movie on Amazon it breaks <laughs> it down like this all right let's go let's just go through the whole process let's like let's it's make a checklist and start checking things off and not feeling like you have to do everything in a day and giving yourself the time to learn and have people send things back to you a lot and be like, it's not correct. It's not correct. It's not correct. It's not correct. Okay. What's not correct? Let's fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. And then just getting it out there. Like, so it got on Google because we Googled how to get a movie on Amazon and then we did the work and then they didn't kick it off when they did their big overhaul. And so it's, it's been great. Um, and I would suggest that every uh, filmmaker that makes an indie film puts their film on film hub, which is the biggest one. And also oh. not, and it's not a ripoff, like uh, somebody just tried to um, sell, they would do something for one of our movies for $10,000. And I was like, oh, thank you. We're good. Wow. <laughs> I was like, it shouldn't cost money to do things like that. And I, I have a mentor that always, like I've always been able to go to for everything when it comes to producing and they're like, so. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. I guess it's a podcast. He's always like, no, don't do that. <laughs> I was shaking my head. I was shaking Thank my head. The visual description. Episode. No, we appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, great. I'm so inspired already, but talk to me about um, the demon detective. Uh, were you again looking for a script that could, that was in, that was contained in? Um... No, no. We, we opened ourselves up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, so in my experience of doing A Christmas Sunset, I realized like everyone we went to was like, is it a horror movie? And I was like, no. And then my mentor was like, it's, it's really hard to, you know, the themes are a little bit darker. And I was like, I don't want to make really like romantic comedies. It's not what's in my heart. I have a dark heart. <laughs> and so everybody was just talking about horror, horror, horror. And once again, you you can see horror movies in theaters that don't have huge names attached to them. And we don't have the budget for huge names to be attached to things. And so I was like, um, let's make another movie. I'm restless. And so the demon detective started as a short, the opening of a feature. He's like, I'm going to make an opening that can be a short so we can just make something. This is my uh, partner who's a writer. And he's like, but it's going to be a part of a feature. And so I'm going to write the short, tell me if you're interested, and then I'll write the short, the feature. So he wrote the short. I was like, I love it. I started getting on the, started producing the, the short. And then so he created the feature and he was smart in that he created a role that was like perfect for me that I loved. And there was this particular scene in it. I was like, I have to make this movie just so I can play the part to do that scene. Um, so I was like obsessed with like getting to that, to getting to perform that part of it, which really incentivized me as a producer to make a, a, this huge film and he he knows what he's doing so he did write it somewhat contained like he understood that we couldn't have huge set pieces that once again we decided to a little bit more than double our budget for our initial movie it was our initial budget which was not enough that was uh even for me and my very my very good uh uh budgeting it very quickly 
we when we filmed the short and it turned out so well we were like the opening of the film because we went into it being like okay we're going to film this with the hope that it could be the opening of the movie if anything's bad about it we'll just refilm it like if we have to recast it we have to do anything if any of the actors suck or the makeup's bad or anything's wrong with it we'll we'll recast it and refilm it it's not that expensive it was at my old job they let us film there for free they always let me film there for free i felt so Coles in downtown Los Angeles. Thank you so much for uh, being a huge part of my filmmaking career and giving me an amazing set. Uh, Did you say for Kohl's? the time that I worked there? Coles is a restaurant, not the department store. Oh. It's a restaurant. It's the oldest public house in Los Angeles, home of the French Dip. It's a wonderful place to go. Um, there's their commercial. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so thank you. Um, but it went well, and our lead actor killed it and it was very clear that Dustin Gulich can lead a film and our demon was amazing I finally found the makeup artist of my dreams and Shana Paulson she like I cried on set I wasn't acting that day I was in my character wasn't in the opening and I remember one point where I was like where's the makeup artist like because I just had a couple of um, um unfortunate experiences where it's just like I couldn't get them to like be what I thought a makeup artist should be and they're like oh she's on set with the actor doing touch-ups and I started bawling like secretly in the bathroom ladies don't just cry openly go in the bathroom and cry you can't like we have to hold ourselves together but I was like <gasps> and I went to the bathroom and I was like oh my god she's amazing <laughs> and I like came back out and I was like everything going well she's like great and she did the whole film she led the whole film there was a lot of demons there was a lot of makeup she just that was instrumental in this being uh, a successful film which it which it will be and is um but yeah, that's how it started. And we made the decision to tell everybody that they could post about it as much as they want. I think some people get too secretive about their stuff and to hold it too close to the vest. Like our investor that ended up coming on was so surprised that I immediately sent him the script. He's like, well, that's not like most people are like, and I was like, we're proud of our script. We think it's incredible. We've already started filming. We're going to do this anyway. This is a chance for you to make some money from on a small investment and you'll make a lot of money, but we're doing it anyway. And so that was kind of the attitude I came into with, with everything is like, we're doing this. I did end up, you know, pulling money from post being like, we'll do a Kickstarter later to pay for post. I want to get some, uh, some actors in here that I think will help make us shine a little bit, but we just kept pushing forward, filming, filming and being particular. And obviously COVID oh, pushed us so many times, pushed, pushed, pushed for COVID. Uh, Cause you know, you're testing all the time and people test positive and, Everyone at the location has to be tested, whether they're going to be there on the day or not. If they test positive, we can't film there. Every time we pushed, it was for the best. The film got better. The location got better. The talent got better. The everything We were able to do just a little bit more. So everything that broke my heart initially ended up being for the best for the film. And that's like something I'll always take from that experience of like, mm, I thought I knew the right way until I was given a little bit more time and perspective. And then it got even better. So that's kind of how that film started. And it was just about, I think, especially when you're new, you have a tendency to think that you're Christopher Nolan. Um, everybody <laughs> wants to be like that level. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm proud of what I'm doing. I think this is great. I trust you. Like, you're not going to steal it. We're already making it. So it's like, I, I shared it with people. Like, we didn't let people post full dialogue scenes and stuff like that. But we got funding because one of our actors posted it and our guy saw it and he was like, I always wanted to film a scene like that. How did you do it? And so then we connected with them to be like, oh, you can see more of this if you'd like to. 
And oh. so that's how we ended up getting funding for this film that opened us up to so much more potential. And, um, you know, it, I know that I would have done it without the funding, but I can't imagine how I would have pulled it off. <laughs> so we, I, I know I could have done it. It wouldn't have been as good as it, as it is, though, because it is a very good film. I'm very proud of it. I, I'm really excited for it to come out. It's amazing. Uh, so you said that you, or you mentioned that you use some of the funding to bring on some actors that would elevate the project. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that, if you're comfortable? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, we had our, I cast like the lead actors from like people that, I, like Eugene Young came on, I cast myself. I was hesitant at first, but when I read that scene, because I was initially, when we did it, I was like, I don't want to take on a big role. I want to take a small role. But then he wrote the lead role for me and I love the character. So I was like, well, we're doing it again. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it was it was very hard for Christmas Sunset. And I just backtracking really quickly. Uh, anybody that's thinking about doing that, producing and acting in something, get a first CD. That is my number one piece of advice. Actors that you're acting in a scene with when you're producing something, if you don't have a barrier between them, it really impacted my on-screen chemistry with uh, a couple of the actors in particular because off camera things were going a little problematic and it was very hard for us to 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 put that wall up where I had to be like I'm going to fire you and then I have to be in a scene where you're my best friend that was very difficult yeah. um and I put barriers in between in between myself for the second film where that was never an issue right always made sure there was somebody else not to yell at the actors, but somewhere where I didn't have to do that, where I didn't have to be the person to be like, if you don't stop, we're writing you out of the movie, which is something I had to do on the first film where I had to be like, if you can't be here, we're just going to have your character go get a bottle of wine and you're not going to be in the end of the film. Like, we'll have you come back. Like, I don't know what else to do. We, we don't have a choice. So you're either here or you're not. And that I feel impacted the on-screen chemistry. Um, and so I didn't want that to happen. So I would say, get a first AD, get somebody there to put you, make it to where you can be an actor when you're being an actor. Um, that's really important. And something I did for the second film, which was, which was game changing for me as a performer and a producer. Um, anyway, going back to uh, bringing actors on. Yeah, so I pulled money from the post budget to bring in Adrienne Barbeau. Uh, She's, I, we had this one day uh, character and it was literally written to like bring somebody in. And so I went to an old casting director, friend of mine. I think we met a guy who worked in horror films and he knew um, Reagan from The Exorcist, that actress. I swear I'm not casting because I can't remember anybody's names. Um, and he knew her. And so we're like, oh, what if she did the movie? She was unavailable, but it, put this seed in my head of like getting uh, a, a horror actress to come in for a day to play this really important role that's kind of like handing the baton to our characters. And so I got obsessed with it and I went to her and I was like, I don't know horror films. I actually don't like horror films. I don't watch them. They scare the crap out of me. And she was like, oh, what about this? this, this? And I was like, oh, oh, I've worked with her before. I know she's incredible. I wonder if she would do it. And then she did it. Um, she's actually an executive producer on the film. Uh, so Whoa. she jumped on. She went full in. She was fucking awesome. Just killed it. Lights up the screen. Treated us all with respect. She was treated with respect like it was a mutual relationship that was, you know, everyone was happy. 
We were all so happy to have her there and her being there elevated the project like I knew it would when it was like, oh, our horror film with Adrian Barbeau um, that, you know, meant something to our investor and then was able to get us, you know, Doug Jones and Vivica Fox and all these people that are like, okay, now we're getting just like a couple of people that people know to elevate this wonderful, talented cast that maybe people don't know. Now they're going to know because, I mean, the actors in this are fantastic. Wow. Doug Jones is amazing. It's oh. so amazing. Um, I think it's a huge win that you got him. I mean, Vivica, Vivica A. Fox is too. I worked with her once on a video game and I was just like, she's so stupid, beautiful. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, her whole team, they're just like gorgeous. Gorgeous and amazing people. So you were able to bring on these three, one actor and that excited the investor. And then you were able to bring on a couple more. Mm-hmm. So now, do you think that will impact things when you go to sell it or go to yes yeah I do think it will because it's just already changed so many people's perspective on it it just changes things when you can put people you can say any people know and so you know I I'm excited to see what like everyone that I know like my mentors and just the you know we already have had interested uh, distribution companies that want to buy it. We're just holding until we're done because we have a few relationships. We, we want to, we want to see where it goes. We're all, we're very proud of it. It turned out really well. And so I'd be happy if it ended up on Amazon, uh, you know, like a Christmas sunset, but I also, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're hoping for great things for all involved because everybody put their heart and soul into the project. Like every single person showed up and, and Vivica was super impressed. That was nice. when she was just like, damn. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, we got this. <laughs> oh, Danny, that is so incredible. I feel crazy inspired. Um, if some, if anyone is listening today and feels like, Ooh, that sounds like something I would like to do. What is one thing that they could do today to perhaps get things moving? Uh, I read that before and I was like, what's something there's so many things I, I think that are a bare minimum that you need to be doing. But as far as like producing something, you need to be, uh, it's a collaborative process. So many people, and I've worked with a couple of filmmakers that are truly talented, but they're so horrible to work with that they do everything themselves and they barely ever get to work or they never have any money and they're never creating because they're like, they can't collaborate. If you, if you want to, my career took off as far as this stuff goes when I met a producer partner I loved working with and that I could create with. You have to find somebody you can create with. This is not a singular activity. If you want to create, you know, a one person show, you can do that um, on your own. It's going to be better if you have other people involved. It's uh, finding people that you can create a, a community with and finding a writer whose material you like. Just like start reading stuff. If anybody in your class is a writer, volunteer to read their stuff and then just put it out there and don't try to start with a feature, start with a short. <laughs> if I would have started with a feature, uh, this would have ended very quickly. I think we all carry video cameras in our pockets, right? With our iPhones. Um, so we can just, we can start creating a short film today. I think honestly, when people do um, like a little TikTok video and they have a story to it. That's a mini, that's a micro short film. Uh, and if we can start doing 
that yeah. start uh, doing that. And then it gets bigger to a two minute short, a seven minute short, 15 minute short. And then you get the big guns in someone like Danny Scott. And before you know it, you're doing a feature. Yeah, I I can't do social media. So I can't test to the social media. I deleted all my social media. So like I have all these ideas for things I think could work on there. But the way my mind works, I need like we did a couple of those during the pandemic where we were just filming little small things for the thing. And I was like, God, I need so much more. And I think part of the problem is I have a couple of friends here and their budgets for the short films were $25,000. And I was like, guys, we'll never make that money back. I say that, where's my camera? You will never make that money back on a short. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just create something. Get other people who are new and starting out, film it on a weekend. Uh, don't, don't ever put it on your credit card and go into crazy amounts of debt to make a short film. It's about your raw talent coming out. And, and if it's garbage, don't show it to people. I think people have this obsession with just like, even if it's garbage, show it with people. I'm like, no, no, this is your name. This is your reputation. This might be the only thing somebody sees from you. Don't put it on your reel if it's not good. Mm. I will say that time and time again, as a, a CD, Yes, it was important. You have to have a reel to get on a major television show. That's just, like, if, if you can get on one without one, that's great. But if you have a bad reel, that's worse than nothing. Like, if I know you're bad, that's different than, well, they don't have anything, but they have a really interesting look. Because mm -hmm. um, that, that is something that I've become a little bit more precious about is like talking to different people. They're like, oh, no, a lot of people, will, you get one shot. And if you show something that doesn't represent you, and isn't very good that's that was your that might be your one shot so make sure you're creating good content but not spending all your money do it let your raw talent come out in it and other people's raw talent like don't be so difficult to work with that nobody wants to work with you yeah that's beautifully said and so super <laughs> succinct um so what's next for you danny what are you looking forward to creating next or being a part of next uh well uh my producing partner just came to them. Uh, it's almost like he could feel it. Uh, uh, so we're Demon Detective. Uh, we are we're pretty much done. It's kind of crazy. Uh, we are showing our investor on October 19th. Uh, so getting our movie out there, that's a huge part of my job. But now that it's actually done, it was probably a mistake to wait till it was done, but I was so obsessed with getting it done before I started another project. We have uh, several other scripts that I love that... We are, we're like, uh, one of them in particular is, uh, it's like a Craigslist Thanksgiving, basically. It's this concept. I, I love improv and comedy and I want to create a comedy and we both feel very passionately about like, okay, we've made it a Christmas movie and we made a horror movie. Well, let's make like, what do we love to do? Because I think that's one thing I learned from this is I try, I was, I made two films that what I thought other people wanted. And now I want to make something that's what I love. And I think that's, I loved both of those films and I loved uh, things about each of the stories, which is why I made them. I loved aspects of each of them, but they're, neither of them are movies that are the type of movies I, I go to the movie theater to see. I don't typically watch Christmas movies and I never watch horror movies. Um, so I'm excited to make a, a really funny comedy that we're, that's what we've been spending this time doing. So I would say with the strike, we were busy this whole strike because you know, he wasn't writing for other people because he's a writer, but he, we were writing for ourselves. We were creating stuff. We were talking to improvisers that we like about creating this story that we feel really passionately about. And so that's where I'm at, where it's like, okay, we're in pre-production, 
pre-production. We're not actively doing anything. We're just building out this, this story and starting to think of where we could film it and who we know that would be in it and starting to put down like what this is going to be in creating our next project. And then I, uh, he also has a pilot that we're, um, as soon as the strike ends and I'm producing it right now, I'm getting it ready. But as soon as the strike ends, we're going to film a sizzle for that pilot because it's a great pilot and we have the talent to do it. So I was like, let's just create something on a board. <laughs> so the feature will take a little bit more time. So I'm going to film something smaller before we actually jump into the feature. That's amazing. Will you come on again and tell us what you've learned from the pilot and from the next feature? Yes, definitely. Cause it trust me, that's all about learning. Like it's, you learn some, it's amazing how much you learn when you're like listening to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Danny. I appreciate your yeah, time of course. sharing your knowledge. And I'm so looking forward to seeing how your career blossoms because you're off to a fantastic start. Really? I hope so. <laughs> so I feel like you put so much work into something. And I think that a lot of actors feel that. And I know you've been working your ass off for years. And it's just like, we put so much work into it and it's like, I love the work. And I think that helps. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't love the actual work of acting, this is going to be real hard. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We'll link everything. We'll link in the show notes, all the links that we need to see your okay, great. support you. And um, I really appreciate you, Danny. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being such a great teacher. Oh, Gosh, let's end there. Okay. <laughs>